0: Before I begin my on today's uh, scripture readings, I'd like us to do an exercise. I think most of you here can do this. I'd like you to take a look at the person next to you, especially if that person and you are in a romantic relationship of love or marriage. If you're by yourself, just think about it, okay? So, do you realize that the beautiful person next to you, attractive, in in some cases young, full of life, creativity, and joy, will eventually age, get sick, break down, and die. Now, I say that not to make you depressed, but to give us an exercise in Christian realism. This is what happens. And this is why the author of our first reading, Kohalath, it's an unusual name, says at the beginning of this reading, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities. All things, all things are vanity. Now, our responsorial hymn, which we sang together a short while ago, is from Psalm 90. And the verse that we repeated over and over again was If today you hear his voice, hear God's voice, harden not your heart. So at the beginning of my reflections, I'm going to ask you try not to harden your heart against what the Lord is going to say to us in today's scripture readings, because uh, this is one of the very hard sayings. Of the Gospels that Jesus speaks to us who want to be His disciples. And since it's hard, it's something we don't want to hear, we have a tendency to harden our hearts. Maybe not in a very deliberate way, but there's a certain kind of, well, let's put this in context and not take it so very seriously. The word vanity comes from a Latin word, vanus sounds similar which means empty so for something to be a vanity means that it is empty without much substance it kind of be blown away like a puff of smoke you know it's there for a minute but then it's gone and that's true even about the most valuable things in our lives the people who we love the most Even if we're married for 70 years, that person eventually gets old, breaks down, and dies, as we do too. In this reading from the book of Ecclesiastes, the author talks about a situation that resembles today's gospel. He talks about what happens when you work with all your strength and creativity and all your energy, and you, make, up, you, you um, make a lot of money or whatever, and you put it in the bank, when you die, it doesn't follow you to the grave, right? There are no U-Hauls behind hearses. You know? When we go to the grave, we take nothing with us. And all that effort and energy, your home, the month, your savings, all that kind of thing, may go to someone who wastes it. And why, why did you spend so much energy, so much of your enthusiasm and time working so hard to get all those possessions, all that money? This is what he says here in the, in the scripture. He said, here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, a very talented person, and yet to another who has not labored over it, he must leave his property. For what profit comes to a man from all the toil and anxiety of heart with which he has labored under the sun? You know, it sounds like the guy's depressed, doesn't it? But if you read the whole book of Kohelet, the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a book of wisdom. It tries to put the, the listener in contact with some of the basic realities of human existence and tries to get the people who read it to balance their lives and put things in order appropriately. And that's what Jesus um, is telling us about in today's gospel. And, you know, possessions can be very, very important, material possessions, but they're futile in terms of the final goal of our lives, which is union with God. God doesn't care how many possessions we have when we die. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, and he's writing to a, newly, a group of newly baptized people, and he tells them some important things. He says, brothers and sisters, if you were raised with Christ, if you were baptized, seek what is above. Think of what is above and not of what is on earth. And when he's talking about above, he doesn't mean just, you know, think about what's going to happen when you get to heaven. He's trying, see, it's important for us if we're going to be disciples of Jesus to think about the, the higher things. And money is not one of the higher things in life. You know, love and fidelity, uh, respect for, for God and for others, those are much more important than possessions. Everybody would say that, but we don't act like that in the practical way we live our lives. He goes on to say, put to death then the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. And then, this is the important line for our reflections this evening, and greed that is idolatry. He's saying greed, which is an inordinate desire for more than we have or deserve. You know, greed is wanting in an ordinate way, in an inordinate way, inappropriate way, more than we actually need or we deserve. And St. Paul is telling the young Christians that this kind of greed can be an idol. It means we, it's more important to us than God. You know, God or money, God or mammon, is another thing that Jesus talks about in another place in the Gospels. So he says, put on a new self in the image of your creator. In other words, try to live with the the mind and heart of God in relationships to the things of our lives. So the question we have to ask ourselves, are possessions and money an idol for me? Do I worship at that false altar of a false god by desiring possessions and money inappropriately? which brings us to today's gospel. Now someone comes up to Jesus when Jesus is trying to teach his disciples what it means to be his followers and ask him, ask him a question. He says, teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. You know, it's an important question, I guess, when our relatives die, we all wanna share in the will, right? And that's what's happening here. He, he wants Jesus to intervene to make sure he gets his fair share. And Jesus dismisses him, really. He's really saying here, this is not a very important question to me. He says, "Um, friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbiter? And then he gives a lesson and then tells a story that illustrates the meaning of the lesson. He says, take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, One's life does not consist of possessions. Beware of greed. Our lives do not consist of our possessions. So each one of us here, your life is much more than the house you own, the money in your bank account, your accomplishments at work, all those kind of things that we use as markers in American society. To decide whether someone's important or not, we use it to judge ourselves, whether our lives are important, whether we've been a success, how much money have we made, how have we risen in, in our particular business. And then Jesus tells a story, as he often does, in order to make the meaning of what he says much more clear. He says, There was a rich man, and, and the way Jesus describes this guy, he probably was an honest man. He wasn't a crook, he wasn't doing anything dishonest here. He was a hard-working guy who had a farm, or maybe several farms. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest, good farmer, very successful. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have a space to store my harvest. And then he said, and this is what I will do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods. And I shall say to myself, now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many, many years. Rest, eat, drink, and be merry. You notice how many times he used the word I and me in his reflection? I mean, he's not dishonest. But he's what we would call self-absorbed. There's nothing in this reflection about his relationship with God or his relationship with his family or any, anybody else. He even talks to himself rather than anybody else, you know. He's just a man who's solely focused on himself and his own self-care and his own possessions. This is the one who Jesus warns about. He's the one who's rich but doesn't understand that life does not consist of his possessions. But God said to him, you fool. We wouldn't want to face the end of our life and have God think we're foolish, right? We want to be wise women and wise men. This night your life will be demanded of you and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? He's, he's sounding like Kohalath here in his reflections. And then sums it all up by saying, Thus will it be for all who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. So, no, it doesn't. it's not a sin to be rich, as long as that's not what you're focused on. You know, to be rich with the things of God is more important than the riches of this world. And if you're rich with the things of God, it's obvious from what Jesus says and what the, what's the, what the saints did is that they freely give their possessions in the service of God, in the service of the gospel, or to others, especially those who are poor. So we ask ourselves as we hear these readings How do I define success? As self-giving, self-sacrifice, or self-possessions? And the answer for Christians, the only answer for a disciple of Jesus Christ is success is self-giving, self-sacrifice. And we let the rest take care of themselves. Now I have three practical points. Before I conclude, how many of you, don't want you to raise your hands, but how many of you here think that you're rich? Just for a moment, Um, most of us here probably think we're middle class. Some of us here think that we are poor. And if we're poor, we, we we probably think that this gospel doesn't apply to us. But it does, because the poor can be greedy as much as the wealthy can be greedy, you know. It's just that the wealthy are better at it than the poor, you know. They're better at being greedy. They're they're more successful. But you can be very, very poor and be a greedy person. So poverty doesn't exclude you from examining your heart and applying the teaching of Jesus to yourself. It doesn't, you're not, just because you're young and just beginning to make your way in life doesn't exclude you from this self-reflection. It applies to everyone. The rich can be greedy or the rich can be generous. The poor can be greedy or the poor can be generous. And oftentimes you meet very, very generous poor people. Seldom do you meet very, very generous rich people. People talk about it, but often don't do what they think they do. It's also important for us, point number two, that. When Jesus talks about abundance and riches, he's not only speaking of material wealth. We can be wealthy in other ways as well. And Jesus is calling us to be generous with that other kind of wealth. Uh, The most important gift we have is the gift of time because it passes. We all get old and we all die. And how we use our time in some ways can be the most precious gift gift of all. If we use the time for ourselves, or we use our time in generous service of God and other people. And all of us can deal honestly with that richness that we all have been gifted by God. So how do we use our time? How do we use our talent? Do we use our talent to promote ourselves or to promote the gospel and to promote other people? It's an important reflection in the light of today's gospel. The third thing I'd like to talk about, just briefly, is the practice of tithing. You know, in the Old Testament, um, the Jewish people had an understanding that they were responsible to give to God 10% of all that they had as a symbol of their gratitude to God who had given them everything. And we aren't very good as Catholics in tithing. You know, And and it's interesting to, to read the statistics, comparing ourselves to the Jews or to Protestant Christians. And to others, we don't we don't um, rank very high in the in the group of people that is generous. And by tithing, I don't mean giving 10 percent to the church, although our pastors like that if you do it. But it's giving 10 percent of what you have back to God by giving it to the poor and those in need and for the for the good purposes that um, might be asked of us. So do you do that? Do you give anything near 10 percent? You know what I recommend when I, when I was a pastor of a parish, I would recommend that uh, people should set up a separate bank account, and every month put 10 percent of their payroll check into that account, and then that account would only be used for purposes that would be self-giving or generous. You know to give. I always say give 5 percent to the church. to your local parish, 1% to your diocese, and then use 5% for the other important causes that are significant in your life. But it's important to give it away. And if you do that in a regular kind of way, you discipline yourself not to be greedy. You know, for example, if you're very, very wealthy and you give $1,000 a week in church, that's not very much although it's a lot more than any any of us here probably could give, you know. Um, But if we give 10%, it is obvious that it is a sacrifice. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to show by our generosity that we are grateful and that we are not self-centered and self-possessed. That we're willing to give ourselves and give what we have away. And if we don't, We will end our life sad, like those words of Kohalath at the beginning of our reflections this evening, vanity of vanity, it's all a waste, unless we give it away to God. So we ask the Lord not to let us harden our hearts, but to accept the good news of his messages to us in scripture today, and we might practice in our lives what we hear Jesus preaching to us. Amen.